Wow. How is everybody? Man, I'm so glad that you're here today. I can't tell you how pumped I am about today's service and uh, being able to share with you. As a lot of you know, I just got back from a nine-day trip uh, to Israel. It was an amazing experience. I was privileged to go with a group from KUFI, which stands for Christians United for Israel. And uh, we have a very special guest who's going to be joining me up here this morning. Uh, Victor Sturski is a father, a husband, a former pastor, an author, and the Eastern Regional Coordinator and National Outreach Director uh, for Christians United for Israel. Would you please give a warm welcome to Victor Sturski as he comes. You can set your coffee right there. <laughs> and uh, this is uh, for you. Uh, Victor, you stayed in Israel for a little bit after our team came back, and uh, you just got back. When did you get back into the States? I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> the jet lag is uh, formidable. My body's here. My brain is coming. If I stop speaking in English, someone just stop me. But uh, I think I got back about three or four days ago and then got up about 3.30 in the morning yesterday to be out here with you, and uh, it's an honor. What an honor. I love your pastor. Can we just thank God for your pastor and first lady? The whole team here, the worship team, guys in the booth, oh my goodness, the women in the booth, thank you. Yeah, man, it was such a trip and such an amazing uh, a time. Uh, together. Uh, well, we're just, what I'm going to do is several things this morning. First off, we're just going to start by giving you a quick highlight of the trip that we were just on. I, I wish I could show you all the pictures and just take time to talk about each and every one. There's just no time to do that. So uh, we're, we're going to give you just some of the highlights. We were with a group of 32 pastors. This is a picture of us from the Mount of Olives uh, looking down into Jerusalem, the old uh, city. And you can see me right in the middle on the very back. Right, I was I was hanging in the back. Tall guys in the back, and uh, Victor, were you in the back? Yeah, you're there. Victor's in the back too, and so the guy that's next to me uh, is taller than I am. Victor, I think, is taller than I am. I am. So that's kind of a unusual thing for me. The guy that's between Victor and I at the very back was the quarterback for the Georgia Bulldogs at one point, and is pastor now in Georgia. Uh, but it was just an amazing thing. I, I tell. Uh, people that it, it's such an amazing experience and to be able to go with this I feel like you come back with a whole bunch of new friends for life and uh, there's literally no way to cover everything that we want to cover but we're just going to give you the highlights people ask me what is it that stood out to you and uh, this is it was kind of different for me it was my second time in Israel so there were uh, different things that stood out some of the other th old things stood out again being on the Sea of Galilee was just an amazing experience. There's Victor and his wife on the Sea of Galilee. And uh, there's me uh, riding in the boat. Come on now. You know, somebody said, I heard somebody say, you know, why was Jesus always going to the other side? And somebody said, well, uh, duh, he liked riding in boats. And uh, I think that's true. I kind of like that myself. Sea of Galilee, you remember, was the place where Jesus walked on the water. It's the place where the storm came up when Jesus was in the boat and he was sleeping and he gets up and commands the, the wind and the waves to die down. Man, just a powerful thing. Uh, if you go back, hang on just a second, Sheree, you're getting ahead of me. Yeah, well, that's all right. Go ahead and run it. That's, this is just from the boat on the Sea of Galilee. You can go ahead and run that. I'm sorry. That's looking back uh, out from the boat on the Sea of Galilee. On the banks of the Sea of Galilee, uh, 
we can see the area where uh, the gathering demoniac lived. You guys remember the story of the, the guy who was filled with so many demons that, uh, that they were called legion because they were so many, and Jesus cast him out of that. And that's right there uh, on the bank. That's where Jesus set him free. Do we have that picture? I think it's the next picture. Yeah, that's the, the, if you look right in the center there, you can kind of see a cave. And a lot of uh, scholars believe that's the cave where he possibly lived. Uh, from they, the, they actually found his clothes there because he was running around naked. <laughs> <laughs> that's not true. That's not true, yeah. <laughs> uh, we went to Capernaum uh, where uh, the city is being excavated, the, the city of Capernaum. And uh, this was a place where Jesus spent a lot of his time. In fact, most of the, the miracles that you read about, a good many of the miracles happened in Capernaum. And uh, this, the next pic is, is really interesting. There is a church that is built over the site where they are excavating, and the church sits over the top of it. But this is, the, 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 what you see there are the remains, and it's under the church. You can come and actually see it. It's the remains of of a house there that was Peter, the Apostle Peter, it was his mother-in-law's house. You remember the story in the Bible where Jesus was teaching in a house and it was just so packed and they brought somebody to be healed and they lowered him down on the roof? That's it. That's pretty amazing. Those are things, those are little things, but for somebody like me, that's just mind-blowing when I see stuff like that. Uh, We went to the Mount of Beatitudes. And uh, you guys remember, uh, just recently we did a series called When Jesus Dropped the Mic and we talked through the Beatitudes. This is where that would have happened, uh, right in this area, without all the the new sidewalks and stuff. But that's where that would have happened. Uh, Many of our team were baptized in the Jordan River. That's an experience for so many to go out and be baptized and these were all pastors and boy it was it's an incredible time both times that i've went uh it's just been an amazing thing for people that go if you ever go on a trip to jerusalem it's almost guaranteed that you'll get that opportunity uh to to do that uh, we then headed to jerusalem and that's kind of an overlook of the city uh, you can see the uh the temple mount where the the actual temple would have been, now it's a, a, a Muslim temple right there in the center, the gold picture. Here's a pic I liked, and it was really kind of random, uh, but this picture just really kind of touches me because you, you see there's, there's two parts of the wall there. The upper part of the wall was built in 1536. Correct me if I say any of this wrong, Victor, but it was built in 1536, which that in itself is kind of old in our community, right? Because we go to a museum and say, wow, this is 150 years old, right? You know, that's that. But the lower part of the wall is part of Nehemiah's wall. That goes all the way back to the Babylonian captivity and being released and Nehemiah rebuilding the walls of the city. And all I could see in my mind was the picture of them building that wall. And, and you remember there were two guys, Sanballat and Tobiah, who were calling out and saying, come down from the wall. And Nehemiah says, no, I'm doing God's work. And I'm not having anything to do with anything. You're, you, can, you can just do your foolishness on your own, man. I'm doing this. That's that wall. And, you know, I, I, I'm sure probably people drive by that every day and it doesn't mean anything to them, but it just really struck me seeing that wall uh, along the way. We then walked the, the walls of the city, and uh, that's an amazing experience, isn't it, Victor? 
just kind of walking through and kind of getting a view of the city from up there. It's also a lot of walking, man. My dogs were barking after that was over. <laughs> but, uh, just an amazing experience. From there, we had one of probably, I think, one of my most moving experiences was going to Caiaphas's house. And we just had an amazing experience. And Victor, just uh, on this next picture, go ahead and put it up. Can you tell them what this is? Hole. <laughs> I remember in Caiaphas's house, uh, the high priest, this is where they took Jesus for an entire evening of interrogation. And though this portion of it is not in the scripture, uh, uh, it is possible this empty cistern is, is where they would collect water. Um, unusual that it had an opening that large at the top. This is possibly also used as a dungeon. Uh, or a holding cell in Caiaphas' home is uh, a possibility. And our guys are always certain to say this may be, or this is the general area. And then there are times they say, oh, this is where he walked. No other way in, no other way out. This is a possible place where uh, Christ was held for the evening uh, preceding his crucifixion. And you're looking uh, from down where we were down in the cell, looking up through the hole where they may have lowered him down. We had a very powerful moment there, and I just videotaped a portion of it, uh, so you won't get to see all of it because it went on for a long time. Just spontaneous worship. You can hear Victor singing. just a powerful moment. I turned it off. That went on for quite a while. It was just one of those moments where you just feel God's presence so strong. Uh, from there, we went to the site of the upper room. This is another site where they don't know for sure that this is the exact room, but uh, a lot of scholars believe that it was. In this room, in the upper room, you remember quite a few significant things in the Bible happened. It's where the, it's the site of the traditional site of the Last Supper. It was the site where uh, the disciples were gathered together to pray, and uh, Jesus walks into the room and goes up to Thomas and said, Thomas, stick your hands in my wounds, because he didn't believe. You know, It's the place where the Holy Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost, and that was in the upper room. One of my favorite moments was actually being up on top of the Mount of Olives. If you're standing on the Mount of Olives, it's just a special feeling. Uh, you can go ahead and put that picture up. That's, that's a picture I took standing up on the top of the Mount of Olives, looking down into Jerusalem. If you were go directly behind me, uh, it was Bethany where uh, uh, Mary and Martha and Lazarus that Jesus raised from the dead, they lived back that way. This was looking down. And so on, on Palm Sunday, which is coming up in eight weeks, we're going to, you, you, would, you can imagine what it would have been like walking down that road, that, that was where Jesus rode the donkey to go in on Palm Sunday, was coming down uh, from that, the Palm Sunday road. Um, and uh, is there another pick after that? Yeah, that's us walking down the Palm Sunday road, going to the Garden of Gethsemane. I've got a couple of pictures there uh, from Gethsemane. Uh, you can see the olive trees. Uh, these would have been the places. These, these olive trees 
uh, will die out and, and put new seeds down and actually kind of resurrect into new life. And so these are generations of the same trees that would have been there during Jesus' time. It was just very moving in a lot of ways. You can imagine Jesus, this is where he would have prayed and said, you know, let this cup be taken from me. Where he prayed so earnestly that he sweated blood. That happened right here in this area. And does, that, does that kind of just blow your mind when you think of something like that? It does me. Uh, from there we went to the Western Wall. And the Western Wall, man, well, there was something very unique happening when we were at the Western Wall. I have videos, but we don't have time to see them. But there was what they call an inauguration. And that is where uh, IDF guys who were graduating. So you can see it's, it's elbow to elbow. It's like Mardi Gras in that place. And they're singing and dancing. It's so like Mardi Gras without the booze and, the, and the, all the other stuff. But um, it's where these soldiers, they are now into, in the IDF. Everybody in Israel uh, serves, men and women, uh, at some point, a, a time in the Israeli Defense League. Don't go too far from here. I want to stay on this picture for a second. But what happened is when they, got, when they, when they gave them their inauguration thing, they give them a, a gun, the gun that they're going to use, and they give them a Torah. And don't you kind of wish that would happen with our military, right? They give you a gun and a Bible. And so this is the Western Wall. This is known as the Wailing Wall to a lot of people. It's where, uh, and it usually looks more about like this. It's where you come up, you can put things in the wall. Uh, I actually prayed at the wall, and uh, the next picture shows... Uh, that's, that's a piece of paper, a couple of pieces of paper that uh, I had written, and I prayed for you guys. Was, we prayed for Coast Community and all of our people. You got prayed for, and that was put in the Western Wall, and there's a picture of me uh, standing at the wall right after uh, we put that in. So My you, Jewish friends say that God hears us everywhere. Of course they do. They said, but right here it's a local call. <laughs> <laughs> We toured the city, we saw the Cardo, the heart of the city, and all of that. On one of our days, we took off to go to uh, the, the Gaza Strip, and on the way, we passed uh, the Elah Valley. And anybody, anybody from uh, my Bible scholars know what happened in the Elah Valley? That's right, David fought Goliath right here. And, you know, we're just passing by, and it was just so many of these kind of moments. Oh, by the way, this is where David fought Goliath. Oh, this is where, uh, this is where David hid from Saul in the caves. And you just had those moments all throughout. It just happens over and over again. It's almost like an aside, and yet your mind is going, you know, as you do that. Well, we went to um, Gaza, and I've got a couple of pictures to show you. One, this is an interesting picture. This is a coffee shop in Gaza. It's a like, a lot like any Starbucks or any place that uh, uh, you might have regular coffee. The difference is it's only at this point about four miles uh, from where Hamas is in the Gaza Strip. And uh, they have bombs go over every single day. Try and picture that in your mind. Let me show you another picture. Uh, this is just a moment that struck me. That is a... Um, that is a preschool in the Gaza Strip. And you notice that uh, there is a roof and then there's a, an additional roof. That's so if a bomb were to hit it, it would explode at the top roof level and not go into the building. This is what they live through uh, every day. And we, were, we walked right up to uh, 
an area that was about a mile. We saw an actual Hamas checkpoint about a mile away. We saw them, and they could see us. And these are the things that they live with every day. They, uh, waved, they waved at us from the Hamas checkpoint. It's something like this. Yeah. It's yeah, a yeah. little different than, hey. Yeah. Yeah, we did this. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, it's just an amazing thing. We, we, they, they said that uh, there's an average of two bombs go over every day. You know, uh, there was just a proposed peace plan uh, for that area, and they responded by firing missiles. You know, there were red alerts happening all this week at this specific area uh, where we were at and where we spent some time. And uh, so that was an amazing experience. Uh, we saw the, the new United States Embassy in Jerusalem that was just being built. And, and, and Victor Kufi had a part in that. We had a big part in it. For the most powerful democracy in the world to recognize that the Jews can actually choose their own capital, you know, like Mexico does, Italy, Chinese, Japanese, every single people group of the nation in the world choose their capital, but not the Jews. Why? Because what God loves, the wicked one hates. And so for the most powerful democracy in the world to recognize Jerusalem, how important is that? Well, you know what it's like to have a friend come alongside of you, say, you're not crazy, they are. That's what we do when our nation supports Israel very quickly. These things don't happen by themselves. There's 8 million members of Kufi. I hope the rest of you join before today's over. You have a, a card where you can sign up. There's no cost. We're not looking for donors. We're 8 million. We need to be 9 million. And we're inviting you in. This is some of the things that you can be. You can watch like you are today, or you can be brought right into it because God's doing something. Because we have 8 million people, our founder uh, was invited to a two-hour private dinner with the president. And let's be honest, our president is kind of a combination of Cyrus and uh, Nebuchadnezzar, okay? <laughs> right, I mean, just is. And God uses crazy leaders that he pulls up, and I'm just going to leave it there. He uses them. And so our founder met for two hours during the dinner. At one point, Pastor Hagee was asked, oh, why is it important to move the embassy? We'll do it at some point. We promised it. Pastor Hagee said, are you familiar with the concept of a jubilee year? Our president says, I've heard the term. I'm not, please. A jubilee year, Mr. President, is every 50 years. It appears God measures history and does remarkable things. You've probably taught on it. He said, I don't want to take you back too far, but 1917 was a jubilee year. It was the first time in 2,000 years the Balfour uh, Declaration came out recognizing the right of the Jewish people to return to their own homeland. How was a jubilee year, President? It's an interesting. Mr. President, 1967, 50 years later, for the first time since David dancing to Jerusalem with the Ark of the Covenant wearing a Speedo, um, and, and Israel claimed Jerusalem as their capital, 1967, Israel regained all of Jerusalem. Jubilee year. President said, remarkable. Mr. President, it's 2017. This is October 2017. It's a jubilee year. Mr. President, you were placed in your mother's womb for this moment. This is in the president's dining room. And the spirit of the Lord comes in. You were placed in your mother's womb for this moment. It's the moment you must recognize Israel as a capital. And it's the eternal capital. You'll be remembered for all history. Your name will be written in the holy history. A blessing will follow our nation that God knows we need. 
Mr. President, I beseech you. This must be done this year. The President thanked them. That I know word perfect is true. What happened a week or two later goes something like this. The President invited his leaders together, his cabinet, his staff. They had their meeting, went over the business for the day. He said, oh, by the way, I'm, I'm uh, considering our move of the embassy to Jerusalem. Oh, they applaud. Yes, Mr. President, we'll do that uh, by the end of this term or uh, your second term, they applaud. He said, actually, I'm thinking about doing it uh, toward the end of the year. Boy, they're lighting their hair on fire. They're jumping out of windows. They are crying. They're throwing ashes, ripping their shirts. Mr. President, no, no, no. You, Mr. President, you'll galvanize uh, uh, Islam more radical. And, and the moderate, you'll galvanize them. You will, uh, you will destroy all the Arab unity you brought together. You, This, Mr. President, may start World War III, and we're not lying, Mr. President. We beg you, no, 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 not now. There's no upside. He said, well, thank you, as always, for your counsel, and so let's set this up for next week. <laughs> because our sister brought the word of the Lord today, we are his hands and feet. God uses people, and say 8 million members of Kufi that God used then to get our founder into before the president, we're inviting you to become part of Kufi today because there's plenty left to do. This battle's going to go on until we hear the trumpet. And don't say, well, I've read the book. It ends well. No, it ends well when God finds people. One generation ago, six million Jews died. God could not find the church. It was absent. And 65 million Gentiles died. He won't be mocked. Those who bless him will be blessed. Those who curse him will be cursed. We're at a moment. Thank you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> One of the experiences that I had on this trip that I didn't get to have the first time I went to Israel was an amazing thing. We actually got to go where they are excavating the city of David. And uh, just an incredible experience uh, standing in the ruins of what was the palace of David. And you can just imagine David walking through you know, this area and, and all of it. And because Kufi has so much favor uh, in the area, uh, you know, we, there was always things that were happening, you know, just little perks and things. Because Kufi has tremendous favor in Israel right now because of all that it's done. But one of the things that we got to do was we got to go into a section that was not open to the public yet. And it's, it's down underground. They're excavating it. it it's, it's a walkway. Uh, you can go to that next picture. Uh, we're going down into it, and then you actually, they've uncovered a road that would have gone from where David's palace was. And David's palace was set here. Uh, the, the temple and all of that is here because David wanted to be lower than where God was. And there was a road that went up to, from there to the Pool of Siloam. And uh, it, they uncovered the same stones. Go to the next picture. Those are the same stones that David would have walked on. You know, it was one of those things where you just kind of go, wow, man. You can imagine David walking right here in this place. It was just a, a powerful moment. We were also able to go from there to a sifting site where they're taking all the different uh, stuff, and we were able to participate and, and sift out things. M my group, we found uh, teeth and bone, pottery from the Second Temple period, that sort of thing. So I am... Real quick, my, my group found the breastplate of the uh, high priest. Oh, did you really? Yeah. Uh, I didn't see that. I mean, nobody told me about that. It was, it was secret, too. Yeah. 
So anyway, I'm having my business cards changed. Pastor Robert Pooley, pastor slash archaeologist. Yeah. I know. I was waiting for people to ask me, so what were you doing in Israel? Archaeology. Yeah, I can't really say anything about it, but we found some important things in the Second Temple period. Uh, so that was an amazing experience. And of course, I'll just, you have to end with the garden tomb. It's a, it's a powerful thing. It's, it's where a lot of scholars believe there's two places where scholars think that Jesus might have been buried. But I'm telling you, you really feel the presence of God uh, in this place. Uh, something remarkable happened there. Uh, as we were walking into um, the, 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 the tomb, as we were going in, our team was going in, it was freezing cold. I mean, and it was raining. And to be honest with you, I was having a moment. You know what I'm saying? It was kind of like, a, uh, okay, all right, I've seen it, let's go. <laughs> you know? uh, but just as we started to go in, it started snowing. I have a video, I'm not sure that you can see. You can see little flicks of it every now and then. But it started snowing as we went in. It stopped snowing as we came out. And, of course, all of the pastors, all we could think of is, though our sins be as scarlet, he has wiped them white as snow. It was just a powerful moment. I mean, really, really uh, powerful moment. And uh, here's a couple of pics from inside the tomb uh, where Jesus would have laid. Yeah. And there's, there's no words when you're there. There's no way to describe it. And uh, we just had a, a few seconds of worship there from the garden tomb, if you can play. Okay, so, Victor, you've been to Israel so many times. Do you, do you even know how many times you've been? I've been to Israel over 4,000 times. Wait a minute. <laughs> My brain's coming in now. No, it's uh, not that many. I don't know. I've been going for 30 years, and uh, it's double digits. I'm, I don't I have limited uh, hard disk space, so I don't keep track of things like that. But it's double digits. So did, every time I go, it's... So did you have a favorite moment from this trip? Not... Not counting visiting your daughter, which I know you did at the end of your trip. Yeah, my daughter lives there. She's nine years old. At least where bombs are falling, she's nine years old to me. <laughs> uh, she went to college in Israel, got her degree in Homeland Security and Counterterrorism. What, honey? <laughs> I said, honey, how about a kindergarten teacher? <laughs> she, and she'd always, she'd always remind me, Dad, it's your fault. And she was raised in a pastor's home and raised to recognize the indebtedness we have as Gentiles to the Jewish people. And, and she, uh, that was born in her heart. And so she lives there. And I knew she'd become Israeli. Well, walking with your little, I have three sons and one daughter. You can take any of my sons. I love them, but you can have them. And, um, <laughs> and I love them. I do. I adore them. But my baby girl, she's our Isaac on the altar, and there's no ram in the bushes. We've wow. given the best. We have given the best we have to the people of the land of Israel, and we're honored, and we sleep well at night. We trust her into the hands of God, of course. 
But I knew she'd become Israeli, first of all, as I walk around with her through Israel. And she's speaking Hebrew to everybody. And then, as I was there and you were leaving, 400 missiles were launched over three days. She was livid because she couldn't take me to Tel Aviv to her favorite restaurant because it was closed. That's what she was mad about. So she's become Israeli. That, of course, is my favorite part. And I love being with all you guys. Yeah, also. absolutely. And I tell people all the time that everybody, I really believe that everybody should go to Israel. But it should be mandatory for pastors because it just absolutely changes things. You know, Victor, a lot of people, um, when they think of Israel, they don't think about the size of Israel. They always think that Israel is much bigger than it actually is. It's actually very small, and it's surrounded on every side by enemies. Exactly. Um, here's Israel. Can you see it? Probably not. You see that little green sliver? That's Israel. And what you hear? You guys Israel? see it? Well, here, let me see if I can help you. And then what you hear in the news over and over again is the problem with peace in the Middle East is the Jews. Well, of course it is. Everything's the Jews' fault. And what's the problem? They need to give back all that illegal land they're occupying that belongs to the Muslims. What? So if you're looking, what? the green sliver is right Thank you. there. <laughs> but that's what they're being told to this very day. Yeah, so, you know, traveling on a trip like this, you know, of course, it's a life-changing experience for everybody, but it was so much fun, and you have this incredible passion for Israel, so much so that you travel like 200,000 miles a year. I don't even know how that's possible, but you do that teaching people and educating them about Israel. How did that come? How did you develop that? How did that happen inside of you? The reason I do it is because I, 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 my, the message I have in it is an apostolic message. I'm not an apostle. I'm a pastor. Uh, apostolic er, means sent. The message today is a sent message. And God sends it to limited churches like yours who have pastors who preach the whole world, word of God who are prepared for a message like this. This is not a normal Sunday morning. If you're a visitor, come back next week. No, because you're in a good church and God's brought you here to hear this. This is not a normal message, okay? It's, I have seen more than I should, but I have seen that it is 1939 again. It's identical to what it was one generation ago when the church was silent. And we have a moment to change. Well, we can't change the past, but we can change today and we can change history. Um, where did it start? It started with me in the late 60s, early 70s. You can appreciate that. I'm a California boy. And here's what I was doing. Victor. Hey. That's groovy. Uh, we were not <laughs> yet Jesus followers, as you could tell. But the Jesus freaks could sniff us out everywhere we went. The great Jesus movement was happening. And they would find us. And long story short, uh, I became a follower between a... Uh, uh, that day and a year later, everyone in the band became a follower of Jesus. The good people that God brought out to us were all, well, they were biblical Christians. And they believed that the God of the Bible is a promise 
keeping God and a promise making God. And so in the milk of the word, in the milk of the word, from the first week through our early months, these are the types of things they would teach us about the God of the Bible. They would take us to the very beginning when he first began interacting with mankind. That was with Abram. This is meat and potatoes for this church. And God made Abram a promise that regarded a people and a property, and he said it's forever, right? And that was that little sliver of Israel, bigger than that, but founding, uh, founding there the, the land of Israel. We love what happens next. This is actually about 15 years that Abraham's been walking with God, and at this point, he believed the Lord, and it was credited to him as righteousness, just his faith in God. Credit, well, we understand that. We've believed, and we believe righteousness has been given to us. I love the faith of Abraham. It's less like mine, because look at the next words out of his mouth. I believe God. Sort of. <laughs> right? God does something extraordinary. First of all, it's been 15 years or so they've been walking together. Abram, you've seen some stuff. I told you it's true. You just said, what, what more can I do? You've seen me. I've talked to you. I've done miracles. What can... Abram, how about this? Abram, I swear to God I'm going to keep this promise. <laughs> we laugh, but that's exactly what God did. When he made his promise to Abram, he swore to God that he would keep it forever with the Jewish people and a strip of land. Everybody needs Jesus. Don't go off track with me on this. Talking about God's way of bringing all things to fulfillment. And it's all hinged upon this. Well, Abram has some ideas on how is this going to happen. God says, no, 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 it's going to be through your wife. Through my wife? She's old. We don't really do that anymore. <laughs> That's kind of what the story says. I'm just, don't be all take cheeked on me. It's kind of what Sarah <laughs> laughed about. You know these things. Abraham said, no, no, it's going to that, and through Isaac and his descendants, plural. And then this promise with the people and the property is so important to those that would come later, including us. Do you know that the five books of Moses, the Torah, first five books of the, the Bible, and every prophet except Malachi talks about this promise to a people and a property? Write these down. We don't have time to go through them really this morning. <laughs> I've given you pins with your... <laughs> I see no one writing. All the way into the New Testament where God continues to confirm the Jewish people are beloved to him. He calls them his firstborn, and they are his beloved. So I've been doing this since the days of my Beatles haircut. I've had some haircuts stop right there. 1981, a guy named Ronald Reagan is president. He's decided, he was a good president in many ways, he decided to sell AWACS spy planes to Saudi Arabia. They're at war with Israel on paper. We don't know what to do. There was no kufi to help us. It's not political, it's biblical. We ought to keep our nation standing with Israel like Esther, like Moses, name them. It's the way God turns the hearts of the kings through the hands and feet of the people that are righteous. So we would have uh, rallies with Jews and Christians and then we disappeared for many years. And so I've been doing this a long, long time. That's how it started. Wow. Uh, you know, can you say, can you talk a little bit about the current uh, state of Israel, the nation of Israel, and how it miraculously, after 2,000 years, becomes a nation again? I can't, Pastor. I can talk 
Not a little bit. Give me a, a little <laughs> yeah. bit plus, okay? Yeah, okay, a little bit plus. Just give me a little bit plus. We'll retrace very quickly. First of all, Jesus now is walking. We're in New Testament, and Jesus is walking by what we saw, which was the, left, the remains of the temple. And you still see some of these 30, 40, 50 ton, uh, uh, you know, uh, every, every stone. You still see them lying there, many of them still with the burn marks because Jerusalem was destroyed. And in 70 AD, history tells us that Rome finally had had it with the Jews. They came in, they destroyed uh, the temple, and the Jews were scattered all throughout the area for almost 2,000 years, 1,900 years plus. This is just history. But God said, ah, I would bring them back. There'd come a day, and in one day, the nation of Israel is reborn. And this is one of those countless times the prophets speak about. Because God swore to God, there'd come a day when he'd gather his people, give them the land, and they'd never be uprooted from it. Wow. You show some of these pictures. Another prophet speaking about the desolate area. Desolate. For all this time the Jews have been absent, that land was desert land. Why would it produce? God had to bring back the rightful owners. Here's a couple shots. One of those valleys that you showed, that's actually what it looked like up until 1948. And the Jews came and began cultivating it. Here's what it looks like now, 70 years later. The Hulu Valley. Useless malaria. Thousands of people would go and die because there was a lake there, but the rest of the area, you went there, you probably wouldn't come back. From 1951 to 1958, they worked on draining the land, and now here's the Hulu Valley. And everywhere, it's, it's happening in front of us. We're the generation witnessing this. Tel Aviv, 60 families, let me, oh, I'm sorry, 60 families, stop now. 60 families from Europe come. They buy Tel Aviv. It's sand dunes. They buy from the Bedouins. It's pay way too much money. 60 families, they scrawl names on seashells. They throw them in a bucket. They pull out the bucket. Okay, the Goldsteins, here you go. That sand dune is yours. The Abrams, yours is over there. That's what they started with. You give, you know, we know, Jews can build bricks without straw. A few years later, there's Tel Aviv. Because God said, I'm going to bring them back, and they will plant in the desolate area, and it will grow. And when I do this time, I'm going to establish them, and they will never again be uprooted from the land I have given them. Uh -huh. Amen. So for the average person here in America, you know, who is looking at all this and go, you know, that's all well and good, Victor, yeah. but what, is, what, is, what does Israel have to do with me in America? What does it have to do with me as a Christian uh, today. You know, that's all Old Testament stuff. It doesn't really have an impact on my life, or does it? Well, as I've already mentioned one generation ago, when God looked to the church in America to stand up on behalf of the Jews, uh, the church was, um, it was actually, America was very anti-Semitic. If we had time, or perhaps I come back someday, I can do a, a little longer piece and, and run you through things. We don't know what we don't know. We just don't. And so much of this is foreign to us. But America was a very anti-Semitic place then. So the church was silent. The church in Europe was Nazified. And that, uh, that brought about all kinds of problems. And so we now are getting a do-over one generation later. Um, 
Because God uses us as the hands and feet, and when he doesn't find us, his plans go astray, and they do. He'll get his way, but it takes a longer time, and everyone suffers. It's very similar because things really don't change. Right now, that the people of Israel taking the land of Israel as to the day when Joshua brought them in. And he prophesied for that time, Joshua and Caleb, going into the land God had promised them. And he said, here's how we're going to know God's with us. He's going to drive out our enemies. What he didn't know is he was prophesying for all time because nothing's changed. You look up to the top there, the Hittites, it's not the Hittites anymore, it's Hezbollah. That's who's up there. Just the names change. They have close to 200,000 missiles all facing down on Israel. Hezbollah does. It's, it's Fatah. It's, it's not the Moabites anymore. It's Hamas. It's not uh, the Philistines and, and, and uh, uh, the giants in the area. It's Hamas. It's nothing changes. Just the names. The enemies are there to destroy Israel, all funded by Iran. But now we are the Joshua's and the Caleb's that need to speak out against what's happening in that area. Around the world, anti-Semitism is at an all-time high. It really is. These are all very current European Jews. France rose by 74%. It's dangerous to wear a kippah in the United States on some college campuses. In America. We don't know what we don't know. We don't. Our Jewish friends know. If you're a college student here today and you'd love to go to Israel someday, could I fly you to D.C. this June, put you up in hotels for a few days? You'll meet with 600, 800 other students from around the world. We would love to bring you in because this is why we started Kufi on campus. Talk to me afterwards. We also take college students to Israel. Anti-Semitism in Australia off the charts. Great Britain. So many Jews are planning on leaving. Kufi on campus. You can sit and watch or you can be a part of this because you're the hands and feet God's going to use now and should the Lord tarry in the days to come. And I just want to stay on this for just a second because uh, for college students right now, there's a huge indoctrination as far as anti-Semitism. And so uh, Kufi is actually will fly college students to D.C. and pay their expenses to be a part of this so that they can see the truth about what's going on in Israel. It's an amazing, uh, an amazing thing. Uh, it is. It is an amazing offer, and uh, we're making headway on our campuses, and God is with us. Uh, lastly, Canada, anti-Semitism, mainstream. Uh, of course, in the United States of America, if you've been watching it all, uh, new, new high levels in the last two decades ever. Uh, these, uh, this, I'll just do just a second of it, but... Uh, there's dozens and dozens of these every week. Jews in New York being beat up off the streets. Why? Well, they're self-identified as Jews. They're wearing kippahs. And it's happening over and over and over again. And pretty much the world is silent. But Kufi is not. Because they believe there's a blessing. And there's a curse. And we want that blessing to be upon us, upon churches, upon our nation, upon our children and grandchildren. 
should the Lord carry you to read this one, the, the real powerful ways of uh, making it happen. Um, beloved, would you join us? We're not, when I say we're not looking for funders, I'm not doing that as a church to try and get funders. We're not. We're looking for members. We're 8 million. We need to be 9 million. Could you open that little packet we gave you? Great information in it. Take it home with you. That white book is so informative. It took us about 16 months to put it together, make it uh, short enough and precise enough to be helpful. This card is in that folder. If you would like to join us, just fill it out. It's not a not a pledge for money. It's a pledge that you want to learn more on what you can do in standing for Israel. Uh, we will keep in contact a couple times a month. Real things to pray for. Action alerts where your voice in 30 seconds can go before your legislators. And this is how we change the world. At some point, a million voices of ours hit Washington, D.C. We clog every senator's Yahoo account with our emails. They, no, we do. Because they need to hear from us. We're the hands and feet of Jesus, and praying or shouting or blowing shofars in churches is fine, but it does not change history. So please, fill this out, would you, and just drop it off with me. I think we will take an offering for Kufi on campus later this morning to help, and he'll go to Florida. Every penny will go back to your students here to get them to D.C., to get them to Israel. Fill that card out, please, and join us. Scholarships for the students. Come and see me. We'll get you signed up. Hello, this is Pastor Joey. And tonight. Pastor Sibley and Pastor Florence. I want to give you a special invitation to join us on February the 2nd at 5 p.m. on a night to honor Israel. We will welcome our very special guest and Holocaust survivor, Urban Ross. He's all together. He will. One point one million Jews. Forty percent of the Jewish population of all of Europe is brought to evacuate time. I saw Irving for a moment this morning. He's just arrived. He's 90 years old. He's here tonight. I know there's something happening tonight as well, but we'll get people in and out. We'll be out by 6, a little after 6. There are moments in life that come by us that are once-in-a-lifetime moment. This is tonight at Pace, Pace Assemblies. This is a once-in-a-lifetime moment to hear the testimony of a Holocaust survivor. We ask, we beseech parents to bring children fourth grade and up. This will give them an inoculation because they're going to be exposed to things in school that have never happened 
or it was the Jews' fault. I'm not kidding. That's what's happening right now. This is, this is salvation for your children as well. Come tonight. Put the recorder on if you need to see it all from the beginning, but we'll get you home for plenty of the game. Come tonight because we have something happening extraordinary tonight at Pace, Florida, too. The Jewish community is invited to the night honor Israel. The president of the Jewish Federation of the entire area is coming tonight. He has never stepped into a church in his lifetime. His parents have never stepped into his church. His grandparents, his great-great-grandparents, no one in his family has ever stepped into a church until tonight. And there are many members of the Jewish community coming tonight for the same reason. They've heard a rumor that there is a people in this area of the coast that actually love Jews, not just the people, but Christians. They've heard a rumor that it's true, beloved, they're coming tonight, but we need Christians in the room. We'll bear witness that that's true. So I know some of you, it's absolutely impossible. You have family, you have friends coming over, what have you. But for some of you, I just ask as the Lord leads you, would you come tonight? Invite others if you can. We'll get you out early. Bring your kids fourth grade and up. You have a moment in time to bless the Jews tonight, along with joining Kufi and letting us help you along the road in that as well. So God bless you, Pastor, for letting me do this today. Yeah, Come yeah. with me. And, uh, I love you and your church. And God bless you all. So let me, let, me, let me just recap. Thank you. Let me just recap quickly. Uh, Washington, D.C. in June for college students. Victor can give Not you info. Not just college students. So there'll be no, no. 6,000 of us for everybody. College students will But college students can, be, can come for free. And uh, tonight, the night to honor Israel at Pace Assembly starts at 5. If you do want to give to Kufi, it'll go towards uh, college students going, being able to go for free to Israel. From uh, From Florida, specifically here in Florida. And so if you want to give, I know there is a Kufi um, giving envelope in your thing, but don't use that. Use one of the envelopes in our chairs and just mark in there where it says other, just mark Kufi. We'll write one check and give it all to them. And, uh, and take care of that. And uh, so can we just give Victor a big round of applause and thank you for coming. You know, the story of the Bible, the biblical narrative, is a story of, of a, a God who is the God of the underdogs. Whether it's, you know, a young 16-year-old boy fighting a giant in the Valley of Elah, or it's, you know, tiny little Israel surrounded by, you know, huge nations wanting to destroy it on every side. God is the God of underdogs. And I just want to say to you, maybe you came in this morning and there's stuff going on in your life. Maybe it's a difficult time. Maybe you're just dealing with some incredible circumstances. And maybe in your life right now, you feel like an underdog. Maybe you feel like, you know, I've been dealing with this problem. I've been dealing with this struggle. I've been dealing with this thing, and I just can't seem to get past it. God is the God of the underdogs. That's what Israel teaches us, is that God, God takes those that, that seem little or think that they're insignificant. You know, when I came to the Lord, I thought, man, he doesn't even know I exist. You know, he doesn't know that I'm even on this planet, but God cares about you. You're important to him. So let's just bow our heads and have a time of prayer really, really quickly. Father God, I just thank you so much, Lord. I thank you for every person that's here. And I want you to know that God knows you. He knows your heart. He knows your life. Maybe you're here today and you say, you know, Robert, 
We're going through an incredible struggle right now, and I do feel like an underdog. Would you pray for me? Could I just see your hands wherever you are? Wow, hands up all over the room. I'm just feeling like an underdog right now. It seems like, you know, it seems like everything's stacked against me. Anybody else? Just one more second. Thank you. Lord of Father, I thank you that you see those hands. You care for every person that's here right now. You care for them and you want them to know that not only do you see them, you're there for them, that you want to be with them in this moment. You want to make a difference in their life. And so, Lord, I thank you for each and every person that raised their hands. Give them courage. Give them hope. Give them the strength to carry on. Maybe you're here and you've never asked Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life. Today's a great day to make that step. I want to tell you, this is a God who is for you. This is a God who will fight for you wherever you are. Or maybe at some point you were walking with him, but you've let that slip away, and you can feel God tugging at your heart right now. This is that moment to take that step. If that's you, if you've never asked him to be the Lord of your life, or you need to, you need to make things right between you and him right now, if that's you, could I just see your hand? Just raise your hand wherever you are. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. I want to just lead you in a prayer right now. Would you just pray this prayer with me? Just say, dear Jesus, come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. I yield to you my past, my present, my future. I ask you to forgive me. Father, as best as I know how, I'm going to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. Hey, listen, if you prayed that prayer, we've got a booklet we'd like to put in your hands called Now What? And we'd love for you to have one of these. You can just take it to the uh, uh, Welcome Center in the foyer if you go to the right. Uh, after you get your nachos, of course, we want to put one of those uh, in your hand today. So here's my prayer for you this week is that in all that you do, that you'll remember that God is the God of underdogs, that God has got you, He's with you, He's there every step of the way, that you will be, as Hannah so eloquently said, the hands and feet of Jesus this week in all that you do. Listen, a couple of things real quick, and then we're going to let you go again. I know we're running late, so parents, be sure and go back and get your kids right away. Uh, I'm just being real, all right? And... Uh, uh, I know little Johnny's an angel, but uh, you know they're ready to pass him back to you. Um, next week is going to be Vision Sunday. We're going to be talking about vision and what we believe that God is going to do in this upcoming season. I've got a really big announcement we're going to make next Sunday, and we're excited about that, and we want you to uh, be there for that. By the way, that Sunday, uh, uh, by the way, today is uh, 2020. Isn't that kind of cool? It's, uh, it's the first time in 900 years that you could read the date forward or backwards, and it's the same thing. This is kind of cool. Uh, two weeks from today, you have a card in your uh, uh, program. These are invite cards. We're starting a new series called Love is the Revolution. It's going to be an eight-week series. It's going to take us right up till Easter Sunday, and we're going to be really breaking and staying in one section of Scripture 1 Corinthians 13, and talking about what does love look like 
for us as believers? What does it look like in today's culture? We want you to reach out and invite some people to come. So you've got two cards this week. See if you can give it to two people. How many of you will do that with me this week? Two people, two people that you want to invite uh, to come. Uh, Men's Night Out is coming up February 7th. Uh, That's what, Friday night? Friday night. Uh, Ice Flyers game. The tickets, we at first were saying they're $20. They're going to be $15. Come on, somebody. That's even even better. Tickets are going to be $15. You will get a hat. You will get a, a picture taken on the ice with the, the group. We'll have our name up on the big billboard, and uh, we'll get to, to see the game. We do need you to sign up today so that we can you know, get those tickets. There's a sign-up in the foyer. We'd love for you to do that. And then we're going to meet at, we said, 6 o'clock? 6 o'clock at the Hot Spot Barbecue, just near uh, the thing. We're going to have barbecue and, and, and watch the hockey fights. Come on, that should be a great time uh, for us men. And so come and join us and be a part of that. Hey, I want to say one more prayer, prayer of blessing over you as you go. If you would, just raise your hands. Father, I thank you for every person that's here. I pray your blessing over them, that you would give them wisdom in all that they do, that they would walk in wisdom according to your word. Lord, that your anointing would be on them in all that they do, that you would just pour your anointing out on them, give them favor in the eyes of all the people they come in contact with. And Father, I pray that you would give them divine opportunities that they could tell other people the story of what you've done in their life. In Jesus' name, amen. Don't forget there's nachos and stuff waiting for you out there as you go out.